You're listening to Corporate Multiplayer. The official podcast of the 401 Game Zone. Hello and welcome to another cooperative multiplayer. I am your host Sean Agarmer and this is the official Foreign Game Zone podcast. And it's been a while, but well, I mean, he called in last week, but it's been a while since so we had him for the whole show. How are you doing, Mr. Daniel Anderson? I'm good. How's everyone? Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, my computer yep. decided it wanted to freak out for a second. Okay, I'm good. How is everybody? Good. And with us, we are privileged to have one of ForumMania.com's editors, Jeremy Thomas. What up? How's everybody's Christmas? Good. Not good, it. although I ended up working. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah, I always do my Christmas stuff on on Christmas Eve, and then work on work on Christmas, which is fine, because um, it's slow as all get out, which is nice. I wish it was slow at mine, but it yeah. it, it was what it was. <laughs> yeah, but at least you got to you got to do stuff when you got home, right? Uh. Everybody was pretty much ready for bed at that point. Ah, because we did stuff before I went into work, so oh, that okay. was good. Well, at least you got to celebrate it a little bit. Yeah. Luckily, we get Christmas off, but they do offer us if we want to work. But I just didn't feel like it. They had killed us before then. I was like, yeah, <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it's like this is like the first year I've actually been able to be proud and buy my daughter stuff for Christmas. So yeah, I was like, I want to be there and watch her uh, get to play with the bicycle that I had to stay up till two in the morning building for her and stuff. So, uh, yeah. So I mean, looks like everybody had a good Christmas. Uh, I w- I should say before we start that it's the end of the year. And there's just not really a lot of news unless we want to talk for an hour about how they have once again something has dis- decided to uh, kill the PSN and did kill Xbox Live for a while during Christmas. That sucked for everybody that bought something on Christmas and then couldn't play it. <laughs> yes, it really did. Uh, the PSN is still down as we speak for a lot of people. Jesus Christ. Was that from a hack, or that just... It was from... So, it was... There was some initial thought that it might be related to the Sony hack. Um, but somebody... I can't remember what their freaking Twitter something. handle is. Yeah, Digital Lizard or something like that. Had said, like, a month or two ago, that they were planning on doing something to to both of them... Around Christmas, so and I think they claim credit for it too. Yeah, so. and then some other hackers uh, posted the personal information of the people that did the hack because they were pissed. 
Yeah, because doxing is always what you want. Always a way to de-escalate something. Right. Jesus Christ. You know it gets real when they start putting their personal information on there. <sighs> Fucking yeah. idiots. So, I mean, there's not a lot of news out there. Uh, I guess we can, you know, since we have Jeremy on, we can, talk, we can touch on some of the stuff that we touched on last week. And I think some of the stuff, like Daniel was already gone. So, um, I know I asked some of these questions in, uh, for PC. So, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of people complaining. I guess, you know, you can complain about stuff being free because they always have to complain about things being anything. And of course it's not enough because they wanted the other game, not this one, but you know, uh, 343 announced that Halo 3 ODST's campaign is going to be put in for free as part of the We're Sorry, uh, the multiplayer on Master Chief Collection sucked, or has sucked and still sucks for a lot of people. Um, they're also giving you another remade uh, Halo 2 multiplayer map, this time the Relic one. They're giving you a free, uh, your own uh, in-game nameplate and avatar uh, and one month of free Xbox Live Gold, which, you know, that costs money for a lot of people who, you know, pay month to month or, you know, even the three month thing. There's a lot of people complaining that they wanted Reach instead. Um, <laughs> a lot of people speculating that they were going to do this anyway, that it's not really yeah. anything big. I mean, what do you guys, t what's your take on it? <laughs> My take is, listen, fucktards. You were gonna, you weren't gonna get it, okay? Or maybe you were. Who knows? But unless, unless someone and nobody do this, but unless someone hacks three forty three industry Sony style, we're not gonna know. So as far as we know, you weren't, you weren't gonna have this. Now you have it for a game that, yes, for the the first month had issues and might still have issues for other people. Are for people now, but you're getting something for free as a make good. That is a hell of a lot more than any other industry, any other industry does. So the level of entitlement among among gamers constantly drives me insane. To be fair, it's also the most expensive entertainment industry you can go see a movie for ten dollars you can buy a cd for less than that or even a little bit more than that depending on who it is i mean even dvds are way less than games that is true but i mean take movies as an example yeah you can go by yourself to a movie for 10 bucks fine but bring a couple people with you which you can do with a video game which you can also experience for a much longer period of time. And it starts becoming pretty comparable. Yeah. And when was the last time you got a refund for a bad or a broken movie? Yeah. Yeah, never. Probably. Maybe an exchange. Yeah. That. If, if, they, if they can't find some little scrap of evidence that you might have done it yourself. Right. You know. Even if you know if you know who to talk to, you can give it, even get WWE pay-per-views refunded to you. Yeah, because you know, they were crappy. 
<laughs> no, you just have to complain loud. They're, well, that's the other group that is so goddamn entitled is the IWC, but that's a whole nother debate. <laughs> so, do, I mean, do, do you have a preference? I mean, I really I haven't sat down and actually sat there and played ODST, nor have I sat there and played Reach for a long period either. Um, so I really couldn't tell you which one I think is better. I have a feeling now that they are doing ODST, it's just a matter of time before they do Reach at this point. It's not going to be free, I'm sure, since they're already giving the other one for free. But I can't imagine they're going to charge you more than 20 bucks. Um, even though they did give the game away for free as a gains for gold on 360, so who knows? Maybe they are. But do you have a preference as far as which game they could have given us? Me personally, no. I've honestly the Halo games I have played are uh, the original two and four. Daniel. Those are the only ones I've played, so I've never played ODST or Reach. So I don't know which would have been better. I really don't have a preference on it. I think we're just getting a bunch of people complaining because. Well, honestly, I don't know why, but... I mean, and that Halo 2 map is getting remastered, so, I mean, that's another... That's, like, what, mix 7 of the 25 maps that are remastered now? I mean... Mm -hmm. Maybe they think that if they complain enough, they'll get this for free as well. Yeah, see, that's the problem, is... Gamers have learned... That if you complain loud enough and hard enough, companies will do what you want. Because it is the it is the it is the entertainment industry that is most um, connected to online. Yeah. And so the obviously online the 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 louder you can complain, the better. Um, so they have learned that if you do this. Loud enough and hard enough, companies will cave, and so it's created this precedent where they kind of where where it's no longer a thing where if if you if you do something for people who've had problems with with the, with the launch of your online multiplayer game, then it's no longer a. Uh, uh, we're doing this out of the goodness of our heart. It's a, we are required to do it. Which is kind of insane for me, to me, considering ah, there's no game in the history of video gaming that has had an online launch that has been 100% good. I'm not saying that Halo, the Halo Master Chief Collection's problems are within reasonable bounds, but I can't believe that nobody expected this. I mean, I think people expected it, but to be completely broken like that for a whole month—that's another deal completely. I think it was. A, it was. Yeah, it was. Like I said, it wasn't. It was not a reasonable level of it. But it still doesn't justify the level of whining that there's been to me. I mean, but uh, to be fair, I can see where 343 is going. They do have a Halo 5 coming out next year, and they want to make sure people buy it. Mm-hmm. 
with a multiplayer beta that goes live for everybody on Monday. So, yeah. I mean, you know... No, it's a and, smart and the move same thing by... with Ubisoft, right? Why they had to give... Now, that one I understand a little bit more, because the whole game didn't work for a lot of people. Right. Or just had so many problems that they felt like, well, if we want somebody to buy Assassin's Creed next year, which they already leaked, which got leaked before in the midst of all this, you know, we got to do something. Mm-hmm. Any opinion, Daniel, on the... Oh, I, I mean, I think uh, 343 was much more proactive than Ubisoft was because when it comes down to it, yeah, it was just online that was broken and it's not like people aren't going to play the online Halo 5 beta. So if that worked and Master Chief Edition didn't, people would still buy Halo 5. Yeah. Well, but it's also one thing for a beta to work and then turn around and the game doesn't work. You know, but that it, the good thing is, at least like Destiny, which essentially because they had that beta, were able to have a sort of worry-free launch. I think this beta will help, you know, Halo 5 not have the problems that Master Chief Collection did. Not to mention yeah. we're talking about four different Halo games with four different online things. I mean, that's a whole different deal than I think anybody's ever had to experience or go through than just yeah. having one game with one certain online thing and you know it was such a big ambitious thing for three four three to do. The fact that at least the single player stuff worked with no problem mm-hmm. should be an achievement. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was they kind of set themselves up for failure a little bit. Not that that it was a, um, it was an ill-conceived idea, but a lot of people don't think about that. Uh, don't think about the fact that you're talking about that many different online multiplayer archi- architectures that you're having to deal with. Um, so they just look at it and they say. Well, all they did was just remaster a few games. No, no, it was a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing I didn't we didn't get to touch on this with Daniel was what do you well, I don't know, maybe we did. But uh Nintendo Miyamoto has apparently already hinted at they're making a new Nintendo console. Mhm. Uh what I mean, where, where uh, do you think we'll see it within the next year or two years? And what do you think it needs to succeed? I mean, do we need to have a pretty much, you know, what we got with the GameCube, where you're pretty much there to compete with what's there, or do they need to innovate once again? Even though we've seen that the Wii U tried to innovate and it's flopped. But I don't know. Do you guys have a certain perspective on it? It depends on when it comes out. If it comes out within the next year or so, which I don't think is really realistic, but but it's conceivable, I suppose. If it comes out within the next year, then it needs to be able to compete with the with with the Xbox One and the PS4. If it comes out within like two years, three years, then it needs to be a step above those. Um, 
I kind of feel like if they if they were being smart about it, they would wait. They would they would you know kind of hold it out um, until it's about the point where the where the the next generation of Xbox and PS4 is because it's not going to be as long as it took between the 360 and the and the PS3 and the Xbox One and the PS4. So you don't think when so? They do, you don't think they'll? I don't think it's going to be as long. No, it did. It wasn't as long as between the 360 and the Xbox One as it was between the PS2 and. It's yeah. getting shorter as generations because as our technology advances quicker and quicker the demand for these new features becomes more and more. So I don't think it's going to, I don't think that this console generation is going to have as long of a life cycle. Um, So if, if, if they were really willing to play the long game on it, I think they would be smart to wait until those are about ready to come out and then release something that was comparable in specs to what the next generation is going to be. Daniel? Uh, I agree. Uh, I think we're at least five to six years out from the next Microsoft and Sony console. I don't see them putting it out any less than five years. And in all honesty, just from the way that this launch went, I think they're going to be a little bit more careful with a lot of stuff and make sure they have some (laughs) better games lined up that aren't going to get delayed. But better uh, spokespeople. Think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> better exec- executives that actually listen to their PR people, you know. But uh, with Nintendo, I think they've got about a two-year window that if they put out a console that's equivalent to the PS4 and the Xbox One, they're going to be fine. The problem is they're going to also have to innovate to make it stand apart. Yeah. Because if you just put out another thing, another console... Number one, most people who are in the market for a new console will have already bought a PS4 or Xbox One. They're not going to have the money to buy the Nintendo console as well, in general. Number two, if there's no other difference, Nintendo's going to have to get all of the third market people back, or third party people, and I don't know if they can at this point. Unless they prove that their system will have a bigger base, there's no point for them making a game for the Nintendo system. Yeah. Uh, what can they possibly put in it, though? I mean, I just... Oh, what, are they going to be the first ones? To, are they going to do VR again? I mean, I... I mean, I don't know. I never would have thought they'd have tried motion gaming with the Wii, honestly. Uh, I just have no idea what they're thinking about doing, but they're going to have to do some type of innovation just to make it to the point where they can... I don't know. Where... It doesn't look like they're just trying to copy Sony and Microsoft because that won't get people to pick up the console. Nintendo first-party exclusives or not. I think the only thing they could possibly... I mean, other than them just coming out of something out of just, you know, that they're thinking about that we're not thinking about because, you know, Nintendo are the masters of trying to think outside the box. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. But 
I think the only thing they could possibly do is that they have to come up with a system of that the 3DS works together with whatever the system is or that whatever the next 3DS is going to be has to work together with this in a way much simpler form than the Vita to the... Maybe you've had to package them both together and, you know, cut your losses on one of them. And then you have Mario and some other big games to sell people on. Hey, you can get Mario. You can play it on this portable system if you want to take it with you. And this portable system will also have its own games aside that, you know, are not on whatever the next Nintendo console is. Because, let's be honest, as more powerful the phones get, the more of a problem it's going to be for Nintendo to keep up with the phones. Yep. And they're not going to be able to keep... At some point, it's going to run dry. It doesn't matter that they can make Marios and Pokemons and whatever. At some point, it's going to go down. People are not going to want to spend... Look, you're already wanting us to buy another 3DS, another 3DS XL. At some point, that's going to die. And before it totally dies, you need to be able to maximize on it. And I think the only way you can do that is to kind of have some kind of remote play thing together... And and be able to you know you can put one on one screen and one on the other and you know if you you know it just I I don't want to keep rambling but I think it's they're gonna have to use both systems together because I feel you cannot like, do what oh sorry um, I feel like if it, since they're out of sync with the release schedule for for Microsoft and Sony if I were them I would be investing. Everything I had, you know, aside from forward development and stuff, into coming up with a true not workaround version of backwards compatibility with with the Wii U. Maybe uh... that would that would that would be something because that way they don't have to worry about a huge launch uh, launch. And if there's one company that could possibly really maximize off a PS Now type system, it would be Nintendo. Yes. If they could pull that off with whatever their next system is and have a subscription model for the game, the old games and stuff like that, I think that would really sell the system for a lot of people. That would be, that would be one that could do it. Only problem I see with that is how successful is their virtual console right now? Because that's basically what you're talking about. Granted, it's not the newer games, but I mean, you're talking about PlayStation now. I just think that people aren't ready for a true online only system. Yeah. I mean, look at the recent hack. How would you have felt if you couldn't have played any game this Christmas, single player or not? Mm, I think I'm pretty sure everybody would have been pissed. Because <laughs> some people only have that one day or those two days to play stuff. Yeah, right. You know. Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure Nintendo's thinking of something. I'm sure they wouldn't be talking about it if they don't have some kind of idea up their sleeve, but... At least they should know. Don't focus on TV anymore. You did, you know. We, you tried to do that. I don't think it, you know, before Xbox did. Let's just just focus on something <laughs> different. Um, but I mean, let's let's focus. I mean, this is the end of the year. 
let's try to you know focus on this entire 2014 i guess uh when you think back on 2014 in games what's going to be standing out to you there's honestly and it's sad that i'm going to say this but despite the fact there were a lot of really good games and a few problems like delays and things like that 2014 is always going to be associated in my mind gaming wise with gamergate it's it's the it's going to be the first thing that comes to my mind unfortunately yeah and people are still talking about it now so i mean it's just you know it's sad because yeah. anytime there's some kind of gaming debate now, it's like hashtag gamergate again. Has you know, it's just like, can we let it die? I guess not. <laughs> if only, Daniel. Uh, you know, I don't identify as much with gaming gamergate as Jeremy does. I don't get me wrong. I think there was some really horrible things that came out of it, but. I don't think it's going to last as long as he does. There will be some other big controversy that will replace it. We just haven't had one since then. Before Gamergate, everybody was talking about just deal with it and online only, even though Microsoft had gone back on that. Right. 24, uh, you know, there's really nothing that jumps, jumps out other than Nintendo turning around their misfortune. I mean, at the start of 2014, people were talking about, will Nintendo exist in 2015? And now it's gone to Nintendo has some really good games coming out for their console, and they're surprising a lot of people. Well, I think also Microsoft kind of helped themselves this year, too, with the the price drop and the, you know... I think I think giving Sunset away for a day for free was a big deal because it could be something that you know allows for other games to be done that way later on. Yeah, uh, I think we will see more of that happening. That type of thing happening with first party titles, especially yeah. new IP first party titles. Oh yeah. I, I don't mean, think you'll see Halo 5 giving away for free for a day, but Quantum yeah, Break Yeah, I don't might. see Sony doing that with, you know, Uncharted either, but you know. No. But something like Quantum Break, which is a new IP that's a little bit different than usual, you, you'd probably see something like that. And it's not a bad idea because it made me want to pick up Sunset Overdrive immediately after I played it. Because, yeah. you know. Any thoughts on that, Jeremy? Did you like or hate that idea? Um. I'm sorry, I I zoned out there for a second. Uh, not not that sounded really bad. Um, <laughs> not because of what you were saying. I got distracted because, like an idiot, every time I mention Gabriel, I have to go on and say, "Oh, I wonder what's going on with it right now." Um, I have a problem. I need to stop. Uh, <laughs> Well, okay, to be fair, at this point, the only people that are going to be on there are the trolls or the diehard on either side. Yeah, pretty much. And that's what, that, that, that's what I saw. Uh. Although, I do have one thing, I do have one comment on Gamergate. 
I think part of the thing that keeps is keeping it alive and is getting it so much more attention is before we were limited to before the whole before all of the internet and all this we the people that like to make these type of threats were scattered and mm-hmm. the only way they could make the threats would either be like mailing in a letter which would take forever to i mean could take depending on where they mail it from could take weeks to get to whoever they're threatening or make a phone call which would then be traced the internet's kind of made it a little bit more anonymous to make these type of threats like the incident in utah that they tried to link to gamergate that somebody from brazil made a threat yeah i mean before we were kind of limited to what was happening in one country now it's worldwide so you're going to see more crazies on either side voicing their opinions right Mm -hmm. that uh, that's part of why i don't think it's such a i'm not gonna say it's not a big deal but it's not gamergate isn't really revolutionary because it's the same type of people that have always been there it's just now they have a a, more of an anonymous voice than they had before no i I totally because it made gamers have this nasty stink on them for a while from mainstream people that don't even play games that know nothing about game you know that yeah but those people are gonna think gamers have that stink on them anyway because they look at gaming as either a nerd habit or something only kids do yeah but it was it was a different sort of there is a <laughs> it, it, it was a different sort of stink i guess is the best way to put it it was a oh they're harmless sort of sort of social rejects as opposed to their people who post people's you know home addresses and send incredibly explicit sexual violence threats at the same time. Yeah, it was just terrible. But. There, I mean, there, it was a different sort of of looking down. Like, one of those is kind of annoying, but you're like, eh, whatever. Um, the other one, you almost don't want to, you, you don't want to admit in public you're a gamer. Over. Yeah, because that makes the the majority of people who just want to play games, who don't care about this stuff at all, you know, if I wouldn't ask a question about it on Fact or Fiction or whatever, and then we talked about it on the podcast because of that, that week, I wouldn't yeah. have known anything about it because I don't go on Twitter seeking that stuff out. You know, The only I, reason I even remotely asked the question is because somebody made a comment on it in Fact or Fiction. That, that so we weren't covering had, it. Yeah, I hadn't heard about it because, to be honest, I don't really get on the sites that deal a lot with it. So I just, once I saw that, I figured, okay, I'll take a look and see what all the big deal is on it. And. Well, and at the time. Throw that out there. Because I remember that comment. Because I didn't know what it was at that point either. Because it, it, at that point, that that was like in in mid August, if I remember, yeah, something Some, somewhere yeah. around there, and it hadn't really blown up to the level that it did until around the end of August, September, and then it spiked again in October. Um, so I had no idea what it was at that point either, because 
I mean, I have a Twitter account. I, I, I use it, but I don't actually go on Twitter or pay, even pay that much attention to my feed unless somebody directly messages, like replies directly to me. Um, and then I looked on it, and of course I had heard about, you know, all the all the stuff with um, all of the previous threats over the past probably couple of years that, that Anita Sarkeesian had gotten. Um, right. But I hadn't, you know, I, I'd never heard of Zoe Quinn. I'd never heard of fucking five burgers and fries. Stupid name. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, or it started out as something that was actually good as far as examining ethics in gaming journalism, which for some places it is pretty bad. Uh, there is, well, and that's the thing about, there is a debate to be had there um, in terms of, of journalistic ethics. I mean, for years we've been, people have talked about the, the gaming, the gaming, you know, review scale of six plus where, because, because a lot of gamers get, you know, or game reviewers get free copies. They're afraid to give low reviews to games because that'll shut off the gravy train. Right. That's something that's been been a thing for years now. And then, of course, there was what was it a, a year or two ago when there was the whole, the big whole scandal about um, I don't remember what the company was trying to suppress game you know bad game reviews and um, uh, well, doing like Ubisoft false user reviews on Metacritic. <laughs> Huh? Well, and then you, you can go back even further and talk about the magazine that was giving companies that bought ad revenue good reviews for their games. Yes, exactly. Um, so, I mean, that that is, a, that is something that's been a problem. I also think that gamers need a little bit of perspective in that that is not a problem unique to the video game industry. That is right. a problem with every... I mean, you know... Movie people who review films. We talk about uh, uh, Ben Lyons, who's a who's a prominent film reviewer, and he's more commonly known. Like most people, a lot of people won't know the name Ben Lyons, but the mention the second you mention the quote whore, because that's the joke is that he'll do anything to get a quote on a DVD or a poster. They immediately know who you mean. So this is something that isn't new to the industry, but it is something that is worth talking about. Yeah. The problem was it came about in such the wrong way. Right. Well, and that's the problem too anyway. Most of the time on any kind of comment form or whatever, it's really hard to have an intelligent conversation because you have the people that just, they're stuck in their mind. They want to say the most outlandish thing to get the most mm -hmm. likes on their comment or whatever, and they don't want to take it seriously. And... Even as we as people who do review stuff, and I remember when it first started in the game zone for us, the only thing we were ever told was, don't just slam something. Right. You know, because it does make it to where if we're just slamming stuff to slam it and we don't want to have any constructive, anything constructive to say, then yeah, of course that publisher or developer is going to get mad and not send us anything, but they never told us anything about do not give a negative review, you know. No, and that's one thing, you know, 
I will never claim we are a perfect site, but one thing I've always been very proud of in terms of writing for 411 is that we are, there is no level of being beholden to any of the entertainment and, you know, companies in terms of, well, be careful of what you say. Because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to be blackballed by WWE or by uh, Universal or, well, there's no record labels that matter at this point enough that we would care, but, (laughs) or the UFC or Ubisoft or, right, you know, I think the only thing that that I've ever heard that um, Ashish actually say is, Hey, don't don't go out of your way to like trash Scientology because I don't want to have to deal with the lawyers. Like seriously, that's the only thing I've ever heard him say. Like, leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> Which I understand. Yeah, I can do, I can understand that too. Because <laughs> they're crazy. But. Allegedly. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to have Gamergate come up as a major topic. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's, but, it's, but see, it's this a is big thing that happened. So. Well, and this is the type of thing you can't get anywhere else. You're not having a flame war about it. You're having an actual conversation right. where nobody is insulting other people. Nobody is saying, well, you're wrong, I'm right, and that's all that you hear. It's an actual conversation, and yeah, it's rare exactly. to get those. Oh, it it really is, and I remember when it first hit, um, like uh, the the initial comments that were coming up on on run. Thankfully, I think we've been mostly out of it um, yeah. as a site yeah. because we haven't really. There was uh, there was one article that that somebody tried. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything you know, who or anything. There's one article that someone posted and it, it didn't get approved, not because it was, it was of a particular opinion. It took just because spelling errors and that kind of thing. But, um, we have generally outside of like, you know, occasional mentions in fact or fiction or for PC or the like stayed out of it. And even when we have, I mean, we, we talk a lot of crap about our commenters, and there were some bad comments, to be sure, but they were, compared to what was on a lot of quote-unquote respectable gaming sites, it was pretty civil. Yeah. Well, and part of that is we didn't take a site yeah. stand. We just, when it was mentioned, both sides were covered, whether mm-hmm. it was agreed with or not. Nobody was trashed, and that kind of took a lot of the momentum out of people that want to start something. Yeah. Right. And there, of course we still got the people like who no matter what you tried to mention about it, they would say, but Sarkeesian and Quinn and blah, blah, blah. Um, but they were in the vast, vast minority, right. which was really, really refreshing to see, especially when you try and go on other sites and it's at the point that I don't read comments on gaming sites anymore, and I'm pretty pretty thick skinned about comments. But good God, yeah, it's yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I hate so sometimes I won't even go to a comment section of a review or something just because it seems like 
they just want to hate on it because the review score wasn't high enough or it wasn't low enough or and then they just go on stupid tangents about the writer and it's like really do we have to hate on every writer that that writes a review on something it's just right. like, really uh, you know well here's something fun to talk about if we want to what? apparently uh, um, uh, an anonymous associated group just leaked Credit card numbers and personal information from Amazon, PlayStation Network, and Xbox. Oh, really? About thirteen thousand counts. The 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 the, uh, uh, the bin site that they posted the list to has already removed it. But yep, uh. Amazon claims that they weren't hacked. They have no Xbox says they have no evidence of a security breach. So I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sony's too busy sorry. trying to Sony's too busy trying to figure out if they're gonna release a movie or not. Um Yeah. <sighs> hey, at least they released the interview, right? Yeah. I just I feel bad for them for that because that's just you know a whole movie has to be taken down because stupid people have to threaten. Well, if you believe, I know there are people that don't believe that North Korea did the hack. There are people that are disputing it, but if it was a government-sponsored hack, there is nothing you can do about it. Yeah. No, I don't feel. What happened to Sony in terms of the hack itself is not their fault. How they handled it after, that's totally their fault. Because the whole, the, they're pulling the interview and then saying, well, we don't have any plans to release it, but then going back and saying, oh, well, we've always been looking for ways to, ways to get it out. And we reached out to the video on demand providers and no one would take it, which was immediately followed by like, every video on demand provider under the sun saying we're willing to, we haven't heard anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. like every wrong step they could have made. They did. Um, in other words, I think it was Sony's Microsoft E3 moment. Yes. It so was. Well, it's also, I think Sony trying to cover their ass so that, it doesn't look like they were out there really seeking those people. They were waiting to make sure those people actually said something. And then they can go, well, these people want to buy it. Or these people want to buy the rights to have it on their system. So, I mean, unless you're going to hack them too, you know, we're yeah. not going to say no. Which is, and that's all I, the problem is they're going to have big problems going forward now. Because all... All accounts are that they have severely, severely damaged their relationship with theater exhibitors, theater oh. chains, and actors, and actors. There is a there was a new report. Now, granted, it was on TMZ, but they're usually accurate. Um, that said, that a lot of actors now are Sony's going to have Sony is likely to have some serious problems because of some of the things that were that were released like the Angelina Jolie thing, 
a lot of the salary things. People now know what other people made, and so they want the same amount. Um, things like that. So they're going to have a lot of problems there. And then, yeah, the way that they treated the exhibitors in terms of the, well, we didn't want to cancel it. It was the theater owners who said, no, trying to pass the buck. When it comes up to the time for them to renegotiate contracts with the theater exhibitors, that is not going to be forgotten. It is not going to be fun to be Michael Linton and Amy Pascal in the, for the next year or two. Yep. Well, and also people are just going to want to avoid Sony because they don't want their information getting out. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be dragged into this if hackers go after them again. Yep. Seth Rogen is reportedly livid over the whole the way that they handled the whole thing, which we can joke about Seth Rogen, but he does. He is an A-list star. He does have, and he does have his own production company too. Right. So, do you think all this is going to lead to us getting some kind of internet legislation at some point? And I thought what you said in 4PC was great. The whole, I didn't even think about it like that. The whole, uh, the nude hack is going to have something to do with that too because people yep. are going to be making sure that doesn't happen again. Exactly. It's yeah. These things are, the problem is, you know, the Sony hack started off funny because it started off with, you know, Angelina Jolie being called a minimally talented spoiled brat and, um... You know, Seth Rogen and, and James Franco's salaries and little gossipy details like that, which was funny to us. But I kind of looked at it with a wary eye and was like, OK, this is going to get serious. Soon. Yeah, then we have whole movies getting released. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I think that that and 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 the nude hack create our are big in terms of creating this culture of fear of hackers hackers are not, have not been haven't been taken seriously and for good reason they're not to be taken seriously most of the time but this year they made a very good case for what they basically painted targets on their chests yeah, but the problem is you have to find them to to to, to aim at the targets. But still, well, there's so, that, and then I also think a lot of politicians in Hollywood or a lot of politicians in Washington aren't going to care about what happened to a foreign Hollywood company, foreign-owned Hollywood company. When it starts happening to politicians and this stuff starts going on, that's when you're going to start seeing a lot of people complaining. You're correct. I agree with that, except for we're not worried about how the politicians are going to react to um, to what happened to Sony. We need to worry about what the politicians are going to take from the Hollywood lobbyists. That's the concern. And the yeah, MPAA but- is one of the most powerful lobbying con- con- uh, uh, groups. lobbying groups in the country. Yeah, but again, I think you're going to have enough of a pushback for any type of internet bill that until it starts happening to politicians and they start viewing it as their own safety, you're not going to have anything that will get passed. You'll have people talk about it. They'll see public opinion is against it. People start complaining, and it'll get shot down. But 
until it happens to politicians and they decide, screw public opinion, it's now affecting me, mm-hmm. you're not going to see a bill passed. I don't think it'll pass. I, sh- I should say that. I don't think a SOPA-type situation is going to pass anytime soon. I do think that we're going to see the legislation pushed forward again, which is a little bit worrying, not to take this in a political direction, but is a little bit worrying now that it's a Republican-controlled Senate and House. Because the Republican Party and the conservatives generally support those kinds of restrictions. Yes and no. Because you had with SOPA, especially since you had Hollywood backing it, Mm-hmm. You had a lot more Democrats supporting it than you did Republicans last time. This is true. That is, that is yeah. true. But we are. I think the vote would be a lot closer this time than it was last time because uh, of all the stuff that's happened. Well, it never. It didn't even hit a vote. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it, it would cabled. even get to a vo- vote this time. I think again until you see politicians starting to get targeted, and really, you've seen some stuff happen, but nothing damaging. Yeah, it's been Anthony Weiner stuff. Well, and you could go back to the Sarah Palin where somebody guessed her password for Yahoo. But until you see something really bad happen to a politician and it just destroys a career, you're not going to see anything go to a vote even. Anything that's proposed will get killed in a committee. Yeah. I agree with that. I think it – we – people who are interested in this issue, which should be everybody, but isn't, sadly. Um, we need to be watching what happens with net neutrality very, very closely because yeah. that's going to get decided next month, um, probably. Well, um, now we got hotels trying to take away Wi-Fi hotspots too. Yeah. So when that, whatever happens with that is going to set the tone. And if, if, if they come out in favor of the sane option and, and the option that, that anybody who is not a corporation person, um, as opposed to an actual person wants, (laughs) um, if it comes out the way that, that, that we're hoping it does, then I think we have absolutely nothing to worry about with the SOPA. If it comes out the way that Comcast and Verizon and all the all the telecom giants want, I still don't think we have a huge amount to worry about there because it would require a lot of groups that do not get along like the telecom companies. I know that the telecom companies all basically own the studios, but they're infighting divisions of each other. Um, it require them working together, which I don't necessarily see happen. But it'll be a lot more worrying to me if, if, if net neutrality laws go the way of the dodo. Either way, I think what we probably wind up happening is they don't want, they want, they'll find a way to make it a money thing. And be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you can unlock the whole internet for this amount of money. Or you can, you know, get the legislated internet for this amount of money. Or, well, or, you know. I would, at, I would at least be worried about um, what Verizon and Comcast tried a little while back. 
in terms of the you get this much internet usage, which granted was a fairly insane amount at the time. But at the time, but that was like 250 gigabytes, which is nothing now. Right. I buy two games and I'm already like a fourth of the way through that. Jeez. I mean, well, Xbox One game downloads. Oh, yeah. They're like 20 to 40 gig. Right. So, but they'll try something like that because I know that when Comcast did it, it was 250 gig. And if you went over that, it was, it was ridiculous. It was, if you went over that, you got a warning <laughs> in a month. And if you got more than two warnings in a six-month period, you could have your internet service terminated. Not even kidding. Now, this was like five years ago when that wasn't really much of a possibility. So it would probably go up to something like 500 gig or 600 gig. Who knows? But it's something that I could definitely see them doing. That's a scary thought anyway, because it's back to the way the internet was when it first started. Mm -hmm. Where you paid for how many minutes you were on it, and it was ridiculous, and... Yeah, and that was Verizon's thing is theirs was you went up to a certain point and then anything after you like got slowed to a crawl after that. And if you wanted to keep going, you had to you got charged an inordinate amount of money. Right. Uh, Well, before I know you said you wanted to get out before a certain time for me. Oh, yeah. I'm like 23 minutes over that already, but. Can you uh, talk some Doctor Who before you yes. go? Yes, I absolutely can. I uh, love the Christmas special. Now, you have not seen it yet, so I'll try and keep... I mean, I don't mind being spoiled. It's it. fine. Okay. I'm not that kind of person. And you've probably seen some of the... Okay, so you've seen the big news that came out of it? No. Which is Jenna Coleman staying on. Oh, sweet. She Clara is not leaving like was rumored at the end of... It was rumored that she was going to be gone after the Christmas special, and that's not the case. So, thank God, first of all, because it would have been... I would have been more moderately okay if she had gone at this point, but it's, it would have seemed like ways to spend this entire season building her up. To being, frankly, one of the better better companions of, of the series. And then say, okay, well, now it's time for you to go. Um, this was probably, this was my favorite Christmas special probably of the last three or four years at least. Um, there's a lot of doctors, I don't remember all of the, all of the Christmas specials off the top of my head, but it was a much smaller one than last year's, like huge you know, the time of the doctor, but that one had to be huge because it was Matt Smith's last episode. And, um, so it had to have sort of that, that huge giant epic feel. So that was okay. This was smaller, but there was a lot more character development, which actually made it more enjoyable for me. Um, we got through the, we got through a, a very, a necessary arc for Clara in terms of her getting over Danny Pink and actually getting to a point where she's not 
half in, half out of the adventuring with the doctor mindset. Um, I like the way that it mixed the sci-fi and horror or sci-fi horror and the Christmas stuff, because that's something that the Christmas specials don't often do really well. They try to be sci-fi and they try to be Christmassy at the same time and festive. And it doesn't like, um, although I enjoyed this one, the one with the Titanic in space was, it didn't merge those two very well. Um, so I thought this one did with using Nick Frost as, as Santa. Um, it was great seeing Santa Claus and the doctor going head to head verbally. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I think Nick Frost sort of gets sort of a bad reputation because a lot of people just generally associate him with sort of that slacker kind of character that he played in the, in Shaun of the Dead and um, Hot Fuzz. But he was just right on point, perfect rapid fire kind of stuff, um, had a lot of energy as Santa and just, just really did that well. Um, there were a couple of really, really great lines in this one that I loved. Um, the, so the, the main villains in these ones are these dream caps, which call them what they are. They're face huggers from alien. And they actually call. Yeah. I was going to say they do call it out. Yeah. They call it out very specifically like, Oh, they're like, they look, look kind of like face huggers. Are they from aliens? Which has one of the greatest lines I can remember over the last few years of Doctor Who where the Doctor's like, there's a horror movie called Aliens that's really offensive. No wonder people are constantly trying to invade you. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. And there was another great one. It was a little exchange. The, the exchange between Clara and the Doctor is one of my favorite parts about the, the, the 12 Clara relationship. Because Claire is really able to hold her own with this one the way that she couldn't really with Matt Smith. Um, and they're talking about um, uh, trying to research into the end of these study crabs. And uh, he, he's going off on one of his tangents. He says, uh, Clara, could you fetch me the dead one? We're talking about one of the face huggers. And she's like, maybe I could fetch you a cup of tea while I'm at it. And it's like immediately he realizes what he's done. Uh, his response is like, "Oh yes, and and a punch in the face too, to, to sort of you know." So he's finally starting to learn that sort of the where where that dynamic between them is. Um, I really liked the episode overall. It wasn't the most original in concept. Um, it's got a lot of Inception in it. It's got a lot of Alien in it. Like we said. Um, uh, a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street, a little bit of The Thing, and, of course, Christmas. But they were all things like you wouldn't imagine something like that working, but Moffat managed to get all those together into something that really, really worked well and was actually really kind of emotionally touching, especially when, uh, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen it, um, they bring back Danny Pink for a scene. Um, all in, in a dream within Clara's head, which allowed that character to get a little bit of closure. It was a really uh, touching emotional moment there that was played really well by the cast. 
So yeah, this was one. This was, like I said before, one of my favorite Christmas episodes in recent memory. Daniel, I enjoyed it. Uh, I do wonder, and I want to get Jeremy's take on if he thinks that the girl at the end is going to end up being a companion, since she was given a little bit more backstory than the other people in the dream. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Shona, the um, the one who had the the list to cross off at the end when she woke up. Right. Maybe. I mean, uh, I kind of feel there are a couple of ways that I feel about that. On one hand, it's very possible because there are a couple of people that he does that 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 they kind of set up as potential companions down the line. There was her. And then um, Ashley, one of the one of the other other women at the research center, uh, they make a point to have the doctor point out that, that he's impressed with the way that she's thinking and such. So it could be that they, that they're they're setting those two characters up or one or the other to come back. Um, I would not be surprised because that whole like make up with with make up with or forgive the boyfriend thing was a little bit out of nowhere. It feels like there's a lot they could, that was set up to be explored later. But on the other hand, I wonder if it was a red herring because they knew very well that, that a lot of people knew about the rumors of Clara leaving. And I wonder if that was sort of a red herring to not make it obvious that she was staying. I also wonder if uh, they could be doing this like they set up Clara, have her appear in an episode with the current companion or companions, Mm -hmm. and then have her come back a year or half a year from now and end up being a new companion. It's very possible. Um, And I would not be adverse to that because I like both of those actors. Um, Obviously, we didn't get a lot about their characters, but... Enough that they're. I'm definitely. I would definitely be interested to see them come back. But then I would also be worried about because then, whenever they bring back somebody I like, they end up killing them. <laughs> so like Osgood. Yeah, that one. Mm. I was hoping we'd see more of that character. Yeah, that one hurt. <laughs> well, they had to rip at your heart at some point, right? Yeah. All right, Jeremy, I know you're past your time. Thank you for yep. staying on longer. No problem. Always fun, guys. Yep. Thanks for coming, and hopefully yep. I'll be on as often as you are. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys later. All right, Daniel. Well, I think uh, I did promise in the description, and we did talk about this, of discussing uh, some of the better I mean some of the games of this year what we thought about them uh, maybe talk about some of our individual lists that yeah some of these games will end up being on the overall list but we're just two of the several voters on staff that it all got jumbled in together to be able to make our top 10 which we already have the top 10 made we're just writing those blurbs Daniel has been Awesome to write his already. I already got Mark's as well. Um, so, Daniel, I guess... Go ahead. I, I guess I should note the ones that aren't on the list. Or some of the big ones that aren't on the list. That way, you know, you know what to expect when we do get to the 
the official one that will be out sometime uh, next week. Uh, some well, of the close calls. How about I was, just uh, go over the games on my top ten list that didn't make it onto the overall list? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, put Alien Isolation as one of my top ten games. Uh, I put down Diablo Three Ultimate Evil Edition, which I was kind of surprised that didn't make it because I felt it was a. I mean, it felt like a brand new game from the original. If you hadn't played any Diablo Three except for the original release, it would feel like a completely different game. Uh, I believe that is it, though. Let me see. Let's see. Yeah, everything else. Oh, Destiny and Pokemon also oh. did not. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I did have Pokemon and Destiny on there. Uh, the new Pokemon game, just because it... I mean, it... <laughs> they did a good job of advancing from the last one and I put the last one on there and what little I've played, I enjoyed destiny. It was on my list. I think it was, it's the weakest multiplayer game on my list, but even though it might not have the type of staying power that some of the other games will, especially the ones that did make the overall top 10, I think it was still a good game. It just wasn't as groundbreaking as people thought it would be. Yeah, is that why you think it disappointed for a lot of people? Was that they promised so much and wound up delivering not on a lot of it? I think it's partially that, and it's also it's an MMO that's very hard to find other people to play with in the game. You would have to go onto another website try to find people to group together within a party to do stuff. And that's just a lot more work than a lot of people want to do. Add into that, the story doesn't necessarily make the game interesting enough to want to do that. I kind of put it on a par with the original Halo. It's an okay story, but in an MMO, you kind of expect there to be a little bit more than you would in a single-player FPS. And they also direct you to this other website that you have to go to to find information on a lot of the stuff. And that's like, really? You know, I understand that WoW does a lot of that too as far as, you know, there's there's lore in a lot of these MMOs that you find out by reading books and other things. But it's like, this is the first game you're trying to tell us this is this epic thing. And it winds up not being very epic in the end of it. Especially when the best parts of it are the raids, and then you don't have online matchmaking. And Right. That's and also, when it comes to the lore, WoW had the two previous games and expansions for each of those two right. games to expand on the lore. Destiny is a brand new game in a brand new universe, and you don't get much information on it right. without having to do a lot of extra work. And that doesn't make a good game in my mind. It, or let me rephrase it, it doesn't make a great game, which is what I think some of the games that I ranked above Destiny really are. And apparently the expansion doesn't do much more of that either. So Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. I mean, that's... And they, they have another expansion, and, I mean, they're already talking about a Destiny 2, so... Yeah, I think we're going to see a Destiny 2 sooner than 10 years from the original launch, which is what they tried to say in the first place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sold what they wanted, so they got that out of it. 
Right, but, but I don't think you have a, enough people playing the game to justify having it going for ten more years. Oh, yeah. Or no. nine more years, I guess. Yeah, it's not going to have the WoW staying power, because even the expansions aren't big enough or good enough to be able to get people to just keep playing it. Right, they don't change enough of the step. They don't change enough to make it worthwhile. Right, like I've heard every. I mean, I played a little bit, but I never actually got to do the stuff that's in the WoW expansion before. I just canceled the subscription because I couldn't afford it right now. But uh, not to mention, I just I would have had to level my character up a zillion levels, and I just didn't. Yeah, yeah but I uh, I've heard nothing but good things about it. That it really makes people want to come back and play they have over 10 million subscribers again so i mean i don't hear people going oh let me go pick up destiny again you know right. because of the dark below or whatever so that doesn't bode well for the next game that's coming or the next expansion that's coming for them unless they just totally change things i think nope. to your point me and you were the only ones that voted for diablo i wish jeremy had stayed out a little bit longer just to get his take on why he didn't because he probably would have been the only other one that would have been yeah. able to vote for it, um, and that would have put it on the list. So it would, I, you know, and he kept talking about he was playing it a lot. So yeah, you know, maybe he didn't feel that it was worth it because it was a just an expansion and not a new game. Right. I also did I mean, make the mistake of making it a big deal that I didn't want lists full of GTA fives and. Yeah, well, I mean, right. GTA Five didn't have anything changed except for a first-person mode added in. The right. Last of Us just had updated graphics. Right. I didn't put Halo Master Chief on there, partially because the multiplayer didn't work, but also partially because they didn't change anything other than up, update the graphics and right. some cutscenes. And to me, that doesn't make it enough of a new game. I thought the Diablo Three Ultimate Evil Edition changed the game enough with the expansion added in to where it felt like a completely different game and it definitely made it much more fun than it was originally for me. Yeah, and this is coming from somebody that played the original on the PC, you know, so to yes. you it was such a big deal for them to change it. Diablo, the ultimate, in my mind, the Ultimate Evil Edition was what, if that had come out initially without the expansion, obviously, but just with the type of rules, the drop rates, the difficulty levels, it would have been seen as a worthy successor to Diablo 2. But now the Diablo 3 name is so poisoned with the initial impressions of it, you're going to always have people thinking that it's a bad game. Another game you played is some. Uh, I don't know how much exactly you played of it, but it's on people's lists. It's low on people's list. It's also considered a big disappointment for people. Titanfall. What do you feel like it just doesn't, when you're talking about end of the year list, why do you think it doesn't resonate with people? Because yeah. multiplayer to me is generally a something to extend the game's life after you play through the story mode. Titanfall didn't, I mean it had, it they made mention of a story mode. They throw you in with some pre-mission briefings to try to tell a story, but you didn't get a true story mode for the game. And I think that's the main thing that hurt it. It just, it didn't feel, it felt almost like, I don't want to say a freemium game that 
one of those multi one of those shooters that you find online that you can play and then pay to dominate because you couldn't do that but it just felt like with no story mode you were just facing other people and eventually at least me i get tired of playing against other people and hearing the same comments and trash talk over and over and over again sometimes i want to just play a single player game and relax and enjoy the game and i didn't have that option with titanfall right not to say it was a bad game it would probably would have been number 11 on my list but i just didn't i didn't think it was in the top 10 i didn't get to play watchdogs but i know that was on some folks list that was disappointing as well, so I've heard that apparently you don't get to you don't have to go too far to basically experience everything in the game and it's supposed to be this open world right big deal and that apparently the hacking thing does not work as you know, as wonderfully as they made it seem yeah. you know, another Ubisoft game that just didn't you know, along with Assassin's Creed that just Yeah, I mean it Ubisoft I would have felt really bad for Ubisoft if they hadn't put out Far Cry 4 as well. And Child of Light. Yeah, I, but Far Cry 4 was more the moneymaker. Right, I mean, exactly. The one indie, if they had put out Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed 4, and that was their big releases for the year, we'd be talking about how Ubisoft was in trouble. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, Far Cry 4 definitely saved them from having a lot of that talk because it, you know, it was the last one to come out uh, and it, it really saved their butts because yeah. even, even though it did have some issues at launch with a few, you know, especially the last in versions, if you played, if you had a Far Cry 3 save, you couldn't <laughs> play the game. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, it did on the, on the Xbox one, I never experienced an issue with it. It's a fun game, great story, a lot of stuff to do in it. It was definitely worth picking up. I'm not going to say where I placed it on my list. It is on my list, and I don't think it's a secret to say that it's ranked pretty high. I mean, it wasn't ranked too high on mine just because I had other games that I really enjoyed a lot more. But it is a really fun game. If you know, It's Far Cry 3 in a different setting with more stuff to do. Right. With maybe an even better open world. So, I mean... Yeah, and a lot of the stuff that made Far Cry 3, I don't want to say made it difficult, but made it some stuff that didn't really work in it, they took out, which right. I think was the best thing that they did. I feel like they made it more, uh, gave you a lot more freedom than in Far Cry 3. Yeah. Where, you know, in Far Cry 3, it felt a lot like you did have to sneak around in places, and this one, you don't have to necessarily. You can, you yeah. know, if, if you wanted to go in guns blazing, you can, plus you have the animals that yeah, just... always uh, take the elephant riding. It's so much fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's one of the funnest part of the game, too. If uh, They're not joking when they show you the elephants in the commercials. That is definitely one of the best parts of the game is getting to use them to, you know. Clear an outpost. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I've had a few, few of our... Uh, Writers like a you know actually messaged me and were upset that apparently Wolfenstein: The New Order did not get enough credit from people that people just forgot about it because it came out so early. But it did wind up making the list. It was you know you know for some it was high, for some it was low. 
Um, I didn't get to play it technically, mainly because I just I thought it would be another like Wolfenstein hadn't had the greatest uh, track record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it was partially faced with the same thing that Bioshock Infinite was faced with last year. It came out early and it didn't have multiplayer, so a lot of people didn't keep playing it and they forgot about it. There were also a lot more good, like, game of the year contender games released at the end of the year, which also hurt its uh, chances. The same as what hurt Titanfall chances. Titanfall was a little bit different because it didn't have the single player, it did have a multiplayer. New Order had a single player and no multiplayer. But I think the same type of thing affected it. People just got bored with it when it had been out for so long and when it came time to vote for games, they forgot about it. Or Nintendo came on strong at the end of the year and that pushed, that might have pushed Wolfenstein off of some people's list because Nintendo was very impressive at the latter half of the year. I think if there was any, and I think you t- you touched on it, I mean, if there was a one of the big three that had a year to remember, I think it would be Nintendo. Definitely just seemed like every time they released something, it was hit after hit after hit, you know. Yeah, it, I mean, they basically turned around the impression of the Wii U and of the company from the start of the year. Right. Uh, I think an- another game that, like, not a lot of people voted for it, but I loved it. Um, just from it's been so long since I really enjoyed a Call of Duty, and this one I thought really did well for the franchise as far as you know upgrading it and making you feel like you're playing something somewhat new. Uh, and I, I mean, I didn't play Titanfall, but I got enough of my mech stuff just playing the few levels that you get to play with the mechs in this game. Um, uh, is there a, I mean, I think it's just a stigma. Most, you know, I think it's, there's a burnout on yeah. any game that's called Call of Duty. Right. I think if they had just called it Future Warfare or. Especially because I mean, Ghost was so bad. Well, I don't, I, but see, I don't think Ghost was actually that bad. I think it just didn't innovate. This innovated, but it just had the Call of Duty name and people were just kind of hands off with it. And they thought they would just be getting more of the same. I think if I think this will have a better online community than Ghost did, and while it might not have the number of sales, I think it'll still be a people will talk about this more than they've ever talked about Ghost. Right, exactly. I think another game that I should mention that you won't see on the list, but it got really close. It was the closest game. Uh is uh Far Cry, or not Far Cry, Forza Horizon 2, mainly because it was an exclusive. Um, not everybody has an Xbox One on our staff, and not everybody likes driving games. I personally don't, unless yeah, it's just... I don't either. The only driving game I've ever spent a lot of time playing was uh, Mario Kart yeah, in the various Mario incarnations, Kart. and it's just, I'm not a driving sim person. I have never really gotten into those games, and I never had picked up Forza 2. I would have picked up the crew had it actually been. Yeah, I, I was thinking decent. about doing that because it was more of an arcade style instead of a sim. Right. But another game where a lot of stuff was promised, but it didn't. It, now it wasn't as bad yeah, as that's some another other Ubisoft games. game too. <laughs> yeah, 
But it wasn't as bad as some of the other games. It just... Yeah, not as bad as Drive Club. Right. It, it was more like Watch Dogs. It was perfectly... It was playable for the most part. It just didn't resonate like you thought it would from what they initially promised. One that surprised me just because I thought might maybe get, might get more votes was Hearthstone. Uh, but I can also see where people might just have that. You know, I don't know if it's big enough to be a game of the year type. But, uh, you know, it, it it was a game I played a lot during the year. Uh, I, I probably played it not every day, but at least a couple times a week or something. It was something I could just get in and play. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, but, yeah, I guess really quick, let's run down our... 10 through 5s, I guess. Okay. Go ahead, Daniel. Uh, number 10 was Alien Isolation. Uh, great game. I'm a big Alien fan. Just didn't have a lot of re- replayability. Granted, it was random, but it, no multiplayer and that kind of... You also sometimes get tired of sneaking around and you just want to shoot stuff. Uh, put Pokemon as number 9. Just because, it, until I put X and Y higher because they did go to the full animation. This didn't have that big of a step. They had some very good game mechanics that they changed, but overall, it's still the same. It's still a Pokemon game, and there's nothing substantial that was really changed. Uh, not to say it's a bad game. Destiny was number eight because it was fun when you played through to the end of the story. The small story that they had, it was fun to play, but again, unless you're willing to go the extra mile or you already have a lot of friends who play it, there's just nothing more you can do. Uh, Number seven was Smash Brothers. Great game. Nintendo's biggest hit of the year, I think, or will be. Uh, Number six was Wolf Among Us. It's Telltale Game. What What more do you really have to say about that? And number five was Diablo 3 Ultimate Evil Edition. Uh, really quick, I'll run through Jeremy's five since he was on here. He had Titanfall at 10, number 9, Alien Isolation. Uh, 8 was Destiny for him, Far Cry 4, Walking Dead Season 2, which he was the only one to vote for Walking Dead Season 2, and Wolfenstein New Order. Um, I thought Walking Dead Season 2 was pretty good. It wasn't as good as Walking Dead Season 1. Um, just There was something about it just didn't grab me as much as uh, the first one did. Um, I had Wolf Among Us at number 10. I thought Wolf Among Us was a standout for Telltale coming off Season 1. That's also, I think, why Season 2 Walking Dead didn't stick with me that much, because I thought Wolf Among Us was just really above it as far as innovating and being a special story. Uh, I had South Park, Stick of Truth at number 9. I loved the game, just there was a lot of games that I really enjoyed more than South Park when I was sitting there putting pen to pencil. Or, you know, the paper. Um, I also haven't gotten to play a ton of it. So, same thing with Far Cry 4. I really like the game, just haven't been able to play a lot of it. So, I didn't feel like it was fair enough for me to put it up there. Uh, Shovel Knight was one that I thought would get more votes. But, you know, it's a retro, like, Mega Man type game. Uh, It's on 3DS and PC and Wii U. So, if you want to check it out, it's... 
really awesome. If you love your old Nintendo platformers, I would check it out. Diablo 3 Ultimate Edition, Ultimate Evil, we, we talked about that already. And I have 5, I have Bayonetta 2. I got to play this at a friend's house for a while. I just loved it. I love Bayonetta 1, so Bayonetta 2 is even better. So, um, And some of these, I also felt like I had to vote high on it, or it just would not make the list, and I felt like you know, because not everybody has a Wii U or has access to a Wii U, so I was like, let's try to see if some of these can get on the list just for objectivity's sake. Plus, Nintendo deserves it for what they've done this year, so... Yeah. So, that's uh, the three of us, our list, that we were on here. Um, there was other guys on our staff. You'll get to find out their individual lists uh, when the whole... You know, Game Awards and our official 401 Top 10 uh, sometime next week. So check out, um, well, not next week, but the week after the new year. Um, so just, and make sure to be around 401 for when that comes out. Uh, it's a labor of love that we all do every year. Um, and maybe you'll be surprised by whatever's number one, maybe not. But And, and uh, hopefully on next week's podcast, we can give a release date for it. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for January 7th, which is a Wednesday. But, you know, it all depends on everybody giving me their blurbs. So, you know. But, uh, well, until uh, next week, um, hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you enjoy the show and want to listen to more Cooperative Multiplayer Live on Stitcher, iTunes, or TuneIn Radio, we are there. Um, we've been coming out on Saturdays lately. I think that's where we're going to stay. Hopefully, Robert will be on next week. Um, thank you, Jeremy, once again for being on here. Mark should be on next week too. He had something he had to do. Uh, yeah, just thanks, Daniel. It's awesome having you on. Hopefully, you can be on more regularly. Uh, you know, whenever yeah, that just works. Just have the baby down. to deal with to throw in with the work schedule as well. Right. Piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, see you guys next week. Have a happy new year. Hope you enjoyed your Christmas. Bye.